0: At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward. Even if they're just baby steps, we guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. You're listening to the journey beyond divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience. Heal your heart while refining your character and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce.
1: When you remove yourself from the situation you immediately find, you know, some relief, but when that person wants to continually engage you, um you know it, it's hard to be able to pull back and, and, and step away from it but once you, you find the strength to do that um, you immediately you immediately find relief
0: welcome to voices of celebration This series is designed to inspire and encourage you as we share real life experiences of former Journey Beyond Divorce clients who invested in their personal growth through divorce and emerged a better version of themselves with a more rewarding post-divorce life. Welcome to another episode of Voices of Celebration. I'm really excited to have a former client with me today, Steve, who's going to tell his story about navigating a high-conflict divorce and some of the challenges he faced and some of the growth he experienced. Welcome, Steve. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Steve, we've been doing this series to really help encourage people who are entering uh, the divorce process and just see a long, dark tunnel and are in those early stages of fear and frustration. And I'm wondering, can you tell us a little bit about what just the dynamics that led to your divorce?
1: Sure. Um, There were a million little things, uh, as long as major highlight reels. Um, When you're in love with somebody, uh, you often hear about, I married my best friend. And uh, when you realize that you don't want to be in the same room, house, or let alone zip code, (laughs) you realize it's time to go. Um, So, you know, the major highlight reels for me were, dealing with somebody with you know, anger management issues that were also fueled with alcohol. Um, over time, a lack of effort and uh, also some verbal and emotional abuse that uh, just escalated over the years. And as I said, when you realize you don't wanna be in the same zip code as this person, uh, the writing is on the wall.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good sign. How long are you, um, How long are you divorced now?
1: Uh, about almost three years, okay
0: so when you first reached out for support, there were a couple of things that you were struggling with. Do you remember what some of those were?
1: Really, just falling into the same rut of of trying to argue and essentially win arguments and and navigate this person who was unnavigable,
0: right. Yeah, I recall that communication was a very big issue. And when we talk about high-conflict relationships and how they kind of bait you and pull you in, um, and I recall us talking about not not so much um, verbal communication, but texting, uh, what do you recall in terms of what you were caught in and, and how you were able to kind of shift out of that?
1: Really... Um... Just being able to pull back and not constantly engage. There, you have to come to terms with the fact that um, arguments don't need to be won. You don't need to engage. You don't need to get into that back and forth routine of of trying to make your your persuasive argument. Because sometimes when you're trying to argue with somebody who doesn't think logically or it's, it's, it's hard to pull back. And and that's probably one of the biggest things I learned was that you can step back, not engage and, and find some peace through not doing that.
0: Right. And that one, that one shift in the way you behaved with, uh, with your wife, what did that do for you on a day in and day out basis?
1: Well, it, it really brings you you know, peace of mind that uh, this is not something that you need to you know focus all your time on, and you need to you know compartmentalize what you're trying to deal with
0: right and so you said two things one one was the communication, and then I also heard you say that there was a certain amount of um, verbal and emotional abuse in the relationship. How did that? how did that impact you all in it and how did that change um, over the course of time? If it did change.
1: Any, any type of abuse is, is not something you want to deal with. And, and, you know, when you, when you remove yourself from the situation, you immediately find, you know, some relief, but when that person wants to continually engage you, um, you know, it, it's hard to, be able to pull back and 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 step away from it. But once you you find the strength to do that, um, you immediately you immediately find relief.
0: And you know, so many people that we're working with are struggling with um, with high conflict personalities, people with personality disorders, and uh, one of the big issues that comes up is is boundaries. Can you talk a little bit about? how that was for you to start setting boundaries and and how that's even played out over the last few years for you?
1: Well, it it was easier for me because I did not stay in the marital residence. Mm. So a physical boundary one was was just, it was eye-opening and welcoming to not have that contact. Um, A lot of lawyers will tell you don't leave because if you stay, you'll both be so miserable that uh, you'll want to resolve things as quick as possible. But, um, for my own sanity, I couldn't physically stay there. It would have done things to my health. Um, so the physical separation was something that was immediate. Um, and I was, I had the ability to remove myself. So that was something that was paramount for me. Right.
0: And what was some of the other, um, big challenges that you faced. I know you have some children, too.
1: Well, initially it was custodial time, and and how do you you come to terms with that? And um, we didn't. And, you know, in the end, the court had to appoint an attorney for the children, and even that didn't bring resolution. We ended up having a parental coordinator that was assigned to us, which was finally a breath of fresh air from my perspective because I had somebody who could really see what I was dealing with. Um, so it's, it, it wasn't an easy process.
0: Yeah. And we've just been doing a number of podcasts with uh, the attorneys for the children and the um, the custody evaluators. And how did that parent coordinator end up um, supporting and helping you and your kids have time together?
1: well it was it was about communication at that point. Um, we weren't allowed to communicate with one another unless it was via email and the parental coordinator was copied um, and the the animosity and tension at that at that stage was so high um, we needed a referee to communicate and and it was A lot of times I'd get an email to myself, don't respond to that. I'll deal with it. Um, It was trying to teach my ex that you can't speak, talk, act that way. These are unacceptable things. Um, And oftentimes I would get an email that would just say simply don't respond. And you don't need to respond. And it's okay to respond in 48 hours. You don't need to respond in 30 minutes. Um, the, the, the topic at hand is not something that requires an immediate interchange and, and just stand back. So there was somebody that was calling balls and strikes and they were an independent voice. And it was the first time in a year and a half where I felt that there was somebody who really was in the trenches and could see. It wasn't a judge. It wasn't a clerk. It wasn't an attorney on the opposing side. Um, This was somebody who, who really was a welcome breath of fresh air.
0: And a parent coordinator is really a very neutral person, kind of for the children, but you put it well as a referee between the parents.
1: Ours did not really get too involved in... In the, the children aspect, it w- it was more in our exchanges and our communication.
0: And you're three years post divorce now. So how has um, how has communication with your ex? Uh, how is it now compared to then?
1: Um, it's better in the last few months, um, but we still don't communicate. Um, by text message or phone. Uh, we use a third-party application, and um, that's been welcome because you know, the text messaging is, I can text you whenever I want, however I want, and send as many messages as I want. Mm-hmm. Um, having the third-party application that the court could look at if need be, everything's recorded, there's nothing that can be um, misconstrued We we have a a virtual referee, so to speak, not to say that there aren't some issues with that, but it's um, it definitely puts things in perspective.
0: Shared parenting applications. How is that um, that virtual referee? uh, How is that working for you? And what would you say that if you spoke directly to our listeners, what would you say to them about that?
1: It works great. In fact, I agreed to pay for it 100% because I did not want to entertain text messaging. Um, It's something that if need be, uh, the parental coordinator can sign into, if need be, a judge can sign into. It's nice to know that every word is permanently recorded and could essentially be used as evidence if something was to transpire um, I receive expense requests through it I mark mm-hmm. them as approved and paid and it legitimizes you know your communication with somebody who historically has been very difficult to communicate with so I am all for it it's it's in our settlement agreement that that's the um, means that we will communicate. There is an option if the parties choose other means, they can, um, but we don't. And I've gone so far as to block the text messages from my ex because you know, she would feel the need to just text whenever she wanted under the guise that, well, it's about the kids and I can do that. And right. that's, that doesn't work for me.
0: And what's interesting is that that's actually one of the baits that they'll tell you is someone will keep coming back, and I want to talk about the well being of the children and and so so that application is a really rock solid boundary for you and I was going to ask you the question like how did you get her to participate because I know that's a big obstacle for a lot of people who want to use those those platforms or, or those apps. And you're saying it was actually written into your divorce settlement.
1: It, it is. It is written that the primary means will be through the application. Uh, if the parents choose to, they can use other means, but this is the primary means. So I insisted upon it. It was just another negotiating point that was on a list of 100 that had to get resolved. Uh, right. And I agreed, as I said earlier, to pay for it. So it, that wouldn't even be an issue um, it was that important to me i didn't i didn't want to have to navigate text messaging because I spent a lot of years doing that already
0: you know and my understanding uh, Steve is you were actually um, pretty open minded pretty flexible, pretty um, comfortable being um, not just adhering to the laws but but even being generous in terms of uh, finances, and child time. And still, you ran into quite uh, quite a lengthy uh, case, didn't you?
1: Absolutely. It was almost two years, which I, I guess is somewhat standard these days. Almost three years, but the communication has improved over the last three months. It's There's not as much animosity. Um, and as far as what was the question about expectations?
0: Yeah, well, a lot of people, um, you know, keep hoping that the other parent will show up differently and they tend not to, which is what I'm hearing is your situation as well. Yeah,
1: I, I, I think the best way to put it is I don't have any expectations. I, I my expectations are I'm going to be dealing with who I'm dealing with. Um, one of the things that, that, I insisted upon was with holiday and vacation custodial time. I didn't, I didn't want it to be something that, that was adjusted based on this holiday or that holiday. And and let me explain my, my custodial time is fixed. It's locked in. I can look at the calendar five years from now and know on this weekend or this night, I have my kids or I don't have my kids. Um, because my expectations are I don't want to have to negotiate at all. Um, I came to terms with what I settled for as far as the time that I am legally obligated to get. I don't want to negotiate for any additional time because negotiations lead to problems. Um, mm-hmm. And my kids are older now, and it's quite simply I can just ask my kids Do you want to do this or you want to do that and they tell their mother that this is what we're going to do when you have younger kids that's not really as much of an option right
0: calming the chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it that's why we created the divorce survival kit it's an easy to digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to DivorceRecoveryLifeline.com and grab your Divorce Survival Kit today. So let's shift a little bit um, to just your personal growth, because a big thing that we work with, as you know, is what's your part in the dynamic and, and, um, how can you emerge a healthier version of yourself? So, so you can be healthy in life. And certainly if you want to find a new partner that you will, you will attract a healthier partner, can you share a little bit with our listeners? What, what your journey, your personal growth journey was like?
1: Um, that's a hard question to answer, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I, I, I think once you, um, you're done licking your wounds and you want to, you know, refocus your life, um, there's, there's, there is life after death. I, I don't know if that's the best way to explain it, but, um, you know, there's plenty of wonderful people out there and, and you know, you, you can't let you know, these mistakes haunt you. Um, There are certain things that, you know, you're always going to live with. You have, you have scars that, you know, you're never gonna, you know, get away from. But, um, you know, I'm a firm believer in you fall off the horse, you get right back on. So uh, love is worth pursuing. So I don't think there's any, uh, any reason why not to.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. And... uh, are you comfortable talking a little bit about uh, the journey that your um, that your children are on? Because we talk so much about what we learn and then how to kind of pour it into pay it forward to our kids. Um, what has your experience been watching them navigate uh, their mom and and grow into a, a healthier way of being?
1: That's that's a tough one because. Uh, My kids now are older and can express themselves, and they are living with the same thing that I used to live with, and I hear comments come directly to me, or I overhear comments because they're in a room arguing out loud, um, and they are struggling with the same things that I struggled with, and it's such a fine line to walk that you don't want to cross because you want to give your kids advice. You want to tell them, but in the next breath, it's their mother. And you don't want to cross a line. You don't know where that line is. Each child is different. Each child handles it differently. They have to deal with it differently. And it's something that I continually struggle with because they're young they're not as strong as you are, and they don't know how to navigate and deal with. But I will say in the last couple of years, I, I do see them, their eyes are opening, they're getting their own strategies that they are dealing with. Um, but you know, as a, as a parent, you, you wanna protect your kids and step in, and sometimes you can't. Yeah. Because you're stepping in to deal with the other parent. And when you're not in the house as a whole family unit, it's very hard be, sometimes being on the outside looking in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I can hear it in your voice to watch your kids struggle. Knowing what that struggle is like because you've been there is hard. Yeah. Um,
1: and then, you know, you'll you'll hear them when they're in your presence, slam the phone down, say something in frustration, and you know exactly what they're feeling. Yeah. and it's hard to sometimes talk to them as if they were your friend and say, listen, I've been through that and here's what you need to do. Because uh, once again, you don't want to cross a boundary because it is their mother, but you know, at some point you, you do have to step in and say enough's enough.
0: Right. And, and the, the, the most powerful thing uh, in supporting our kids in that way is really never making it about the other parent but rather making it about what they're experiencing. Um, So someone might experience a high-conflict personality, and my son did this, would scream and yell and cuss back and, like, match the energy. Um, And my daughter would step back and shut down. So you're right, each child deals with it differently, and at the end of the day, they both need to learn what a healthy boundary is. And so it's never about mom or dad. It's always about... What are you experiencing and how can I help you based on what I learned to, um, to do it better, to do it in a way that feels better for you and kind of honors how you want to show up. And I think you said it beautifully. It's, it's very complex and it's very tender and you have to be careful. Um, and yet um, you do have the skills and the ability and the relationship to, to slowly move them in that healthy direction. Absolutely. Yeah. So last question I want to, I have two more questions for you. Um, When you think back on the time you spent in coaching, um, what would you say? Well, this actually, let me, let me take a step back. Do you remember what one or two of your greatest fears were as you were going through the divorce and um, your fear for post-divorce and whether or not that uh, life turned out that way?
1: Well, my number one fear is, is there's a term that I've come to hate called the moneyed spouse. Um, when you are the moneyed spouse, the majority of this financially falls on you. And that's not a great place to be when you have lawyers, clerks, judges all looking at you and, and, um, it's just, it's not a good place and, and. There was a lot of fear of you know, what's a business worth, what's a house worth, how much mm. is your percentage, what, what are you going to end up paying, what is, what is the settlement, and the uh, you know, bottom line is divorces are not cheap, and mm. depending on your financial position, you have um, a lot to lose, and uh, that's, that's a scary thing. Um, and then really this, the second thing would be, you know, your kids and custody and, you know, how are they going to fare and, and how are you going to navigate, you know, every other weekend and your overnights and um, yeah. it's, 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 it's a lot of unknowns at the time and, and you're, you're, you're trying to juggle a thousand things, but those are probably the two of the biggest
0: and and what would you say? Did your worst fears come true post divorce, or what is the difference between that worst fear and your reality post divorce?
1: Um, you know, the financial aspect is is, is 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 it is what it is. It's it's math, um, but <laughs> obviously, you know, the money has to be there. But you 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 agree to something, and hopefully, you can live up to it. Um, you know, the the kids has been it's been walking on a tightrope. It's tough for them in the beginning, uh, but you know what? Kids are resilient and they bounce back as long as you try and uh, don't cause too much damage. I think uh, the kids will be fine. And as they get older and they have more independence, it makes things a lot easier. Um, I don't have any experience with obviously a divorce with young, young kids, but you know, when when your kids start driving and all of a sudden they have an independence, they can come and visit you whenever they want.
0: That's it doesn't right.
1: Doesn't have to be negotiated. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, yeah. divorces are a moving target, and and you um, what you experienced two years ago is not what you feel now, and it's not what you're going to feel two years from now. So, yeah. you have to just keep all that in perspective.
0: Yeah, long game. Yeah, the long game. And what what would you say um, you spent some time in in coaching? What was the value of the coaching experience for you?
1: Well, it was it was invaluable just with learning how to deal with an ex who you know was always in your face, always expecting something immediate, whether it was just a response, communication. Um, you get into a rut of of you know, pretty much giving them what they want and engaging and, and to be able to pull back and say, you know, this is not something I need to do right away. And I can do this on my terms when it works for me. Um, between coaching and the parental coordinator, those were those were the two things that went hand in hand that taught me that you can wait a day, you can wait two days. Somebody doesn't need an answer for something that's going to occur three weeks from now immediately. Um, You you just put that all in perspective. And when you're living with someone, it's kind of hard to get them out of your face. But when you're not, you can stand back and say, I'll get back to you.
0: So, you know, it's interesting. We have a 12-step program and step one is creating space. And you have now mentioned numerous times how creating that space, just slowing it down, just because she's demanding something immediate doesn't mean that you have to fall in line, but rather can... You can make that determination, and that allows for um for some some calm and it also allows for some freedom from feeling like you're uh, you're being controlled by somebody else absolutely yeah, so as we wrap up and thank you so much for everything you've shared so far um we're we're gonna have thousands of people who who listen over the course of time to these these shows these conversations with clients like yourself Steve what 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 advice would you give the person listening who's in the early stages who's dealing with that high conflict personality uh what do you want to tell them that might uh be encouraging
1: uh quite a few things um one court is a terrible place avoid it at all costs um it it it's a waste of time. You don't end up doing anything that your attorneys can't do on their own. Um, you have to one. That, that's number one. Number two, um, figure out what you can live with and settle as quickly as possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, when you start the process, you everything is a battle that turns into a war, at least in high conflict. Um figure out what you can live with. If, if you want, you know, 14 nights a month, but you can live with 10, check that box and move on. Um, everything doesn't have to be a war. It's going to save you time, money, and a lot of heartache, um, hire competent people and listen to them. Lawyers do this every day. They'll give you sound advice. If you have a good one, take it, um, the information that they tell you on day one is probably going to be what happens on day 600. Yeah. They do this every day. Don't think that you know your emotions are going to mean more than the advice they're giving you. Um, don't lose focus and, and stay the course. It's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's a dark period of your life, but you uh, you will persevere.
0: And just a final question for you: How would you describe your life now, post-divorce? Your experience of life now, post-divorce, being a couple of years after. And um, what would you say?
1: It's it's wonderful. It was worth it was worth the two years of of heartache, being in the trenches, the financial constraints that it it, it put. Um, but you have to realize that. When you say, I can't live in the same zip code as this person, you also say, I can't spend another day with this person. Um, you you realize you've got your life back and there's mm-hmm. no better feeling than that.
0: Yeah, Beautifully put. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Steve. Uh, I know it's going to really help and encourage a lot of people. So thanks so much for your time. You're welcome. And we'll see you again on our next episode of Voices of Celebration. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for our next episode and I'll talk to you soon.